The desire of Titus Women is to invite women around the world to know Jesus as their Savior, Center, and Source. May God guide and encourage you through this message by Beth Coppage. In chapter 23 of Jeremiah, he gives us three promises. And what is he doing? He's giving judgment. And he's judging in chapter 22. We didn't go into it last week, but what does he do? He judges the kings. And then in 23, he judges the prophets. He said, you should be shepherds to the people of God. And you are not shepherds. You scatter the sheep. In a seminary community, this is very apropos for those of us who are going to be working. And all of us are supposed to be working, Titusing women and working with other people. That we're to be shepherds that do not take personal advantage of people, but that we give ourselves to people so that they might know Jesus Christ. But these shepherds, the shepherds of Israel were not like that. So what do we have? They've come to destroy and scatter the sheep. So the Lord God said, he said, I will attend to your evil ways because you have not done right and you have prophesied wrong things to the people of God, I will I will have to bring judgment against you. But I will call out, behold, I will call out a remnant, a remnant out of all of the countries of my flock that will hear my voice. I will bring them back to their fold. They will be fruitful. They will increase. I will set up shepherds over them. They will feed them. They will not fear anymore, nor will they be dismayed, nor will they lack anything. So what God is saying here is that down through the ages, there has been a remnant. Down through the ages, there has been a remnant. There has been one in this generation and a small group in that generation and a small group in the next that have seen God and known God and walked with God with a Jeremiah spirit. Whether anybody else walks with God or not, I have seen him. I cannot do any other but walk with God. So you have a Noah. You have an Abraham. You have a Joshua. You have a Caleb. You have men and women. You have a Deborah. You have a Hannah. You have an Esther. Down through the ages. And what God has said is just what he said in Jeremiah 5.1, our theme verse. Run up and down through the streets of Wilmore and Lexington. See if you can find. How many does God need? He just needs one. The remnant. One who sees God and will not let go of him. Even in the court of Louis XIV. Even in the court of Louis XIV, he had a a handful that just one or two that were a witness to that depraved court in that time in French history. Madame Guillon, I just listened to a tape who was put in the Bastille because she believed you could know Jesus Christ personally. And she even believed you could be filled with the spirit and your heart could be sanctified. And they put her in the Bastille, but her voice still goes out. I'm still listening to a tape out. How many years later? She was a witness to Louis XIV's court. You have Fenelon, who trained, who trained the Dauphin of France, and he was an ardent, passionate believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. Roman Catholic, but still an ardent believer. God has his men and his women, and the question for you and me today is, is that are we going to be with the spirit of a Jeremiah or a Joshua or a Caleb, or we are going to be like the pitiful children of Israel? Once again, they haven't changed much, have they? They all need to be filled with the spirit. They are very carnal Christians. What we have is they say, God says, it is time to go in and possess your possessions. I have redeemed you. It is time to go in. And what does it say? They cried. They wailed. 
They complained. They said, if only. They said, we need to return. They wanted to pick up stones and stone Moses. They refused to do what God wanted them to do, and they refused to appropriate all that God had for their lives. They rebelled and disobeyed. Now, what question is for you and me? Are you an obeyer? Is there any point in your life or my life that we're saying, no, thank you, I'll give you 90%, but not 100%? Is God asking you to do something that you think, I'm not quite sure I want to do that? And remember in Numbers we read where it said, our children will be innocent victims if we follow God. That is one of the biggest lies of hell. Your children will be victims of Satan if you don't follow God. That is a big lie from hell. And what happened? The people were destroyed in the wilderness because of their unbelief, wandered for 40 years complaining, and their children went on into the promised land. And God is saying, you need to walk with me. And today the question is, are you one of the remnant? And he promises if you choose him, he will take care of you. He will feed you. You don't need to be afraid. There will be nothing lacking. You will be his and he will be yours. <laughs> then the next one, it even gets better. <laughs> he says, behold, the days are coming. And he said, these shepherds are pitiful. Even Jeremiah is pitiful in comparison. I am sending my son, the branch. And what is his name? He is the Lord, our righteousness, and he is coming. He is coming. There's a day when he is coming. And this is an Old Testament prophecy of the precious presence of the eternal God entering into time and space through the person of Jesus Christ. He is coming. He is coming. He is coming for you and he is coming for me. And what is he saying here? He's saying to Jeremiah, hold on, don't let go. The circumstances you're in right now, this is not the end. This is just the beginning. Let me take the circumstances you're in. Let me use them as a stepping stone for you to know God and for you to begin to see God work for you and to work out his purposes in your life and let them be redemptive. So he says he's coming and I love his name. The Lord, our righteousness. And what does righteousness mean? Righteousness means where we have a right love relationship with him. And then when Jesus comes, he puts us in right love relationships with each other. Because he's a divine person. So that when we move in and then out of those love relationships, you and I begin to make Holy choices because we do not want to hurt the hearts of those we love. His heart or the hearts of others we love. Just like not violating a covenantal marriage relationship. You wouldn't want to do it because it would hurt the heart of the one God has given you and that you love. So that sin no longer is a moral code. Sin is a violation of a love relationship. So that my obedience to him is out of love, out of how do I make him happy today because I love him. And how do I make you happy today because I love you. And how do you and I move from my self-centered preoccupation with me, myself, and I when Jesus comes, he immediately floats opens up the floodgates of my soul and he makes me other-oriented first to himself and then opens my heart up to you and to those that he puts in my immediate circle so that we begin to think not first of me, myself, and I, but we begin to think of him 
and others. It is the most free and wonderful, precious way to live. And what God is saying, I don't want that for you. I made you for myself. And I made you so you and I are not so self-absorbed that we couldn't even give to dying kids. And we couldn't even give, we don't care. And apart from God's grace and God's love and God says, I want to make become the Lord our righteousness in your midst and mine to open us up to him and then open us up to one another so that out of our lives, what flows love and then what flows more love and then what flows more love. So the deeper you get, have you ever known somebody that really walked with Jesus? The deeper you get to him, out just comes love because what is Jesus? He is just love. And that's what God is calling all of us to. Behold how they love one another. Then he says, behold. He says, the days are coming. The third promise, as the Lord lives, who brought up the children of Israel from the land of Egypt. As the Lord lives, who brought up the descendants out of the house of Israel. I will bring you back from the countries that I've driven you. He said, the remnant will return. I will bring you back and there will be a second exodus greater than the first exodus where the remnant will come back. The remnant will come back and I will draw you from the far countries and bring you back. Isn't, and that has occurred. And it means, and that God is able to take the remnant and bring the remnant back. Now, do you know what happens? The rest of this chapter, you get our poetic, melancholy Jeremiah. And what does he do? He, he is absolutely traumatized that the prophets are so wicked and are, are, are tre- so treacherous that they are not sharing the truth of God's love to the people that in verse nine, it talks about his broken heart and it talks about him literally shaking as he thinks of the incredible sin that the prophets of God are committing and not being faithful to their calling. Have you ever had a phone call where someone told you someone had been in an accident or somebody had died or something and all of a sudden you found yourself literally shaking from head to foot just with the shock of the call? I have. And I think that's what happens to the prophet Jeremiah when he realizes what God wants to do and he realized the hardness of the people's heart, but he realizes harder than the people's heart are the people who are supposed to be sharing God with the people themselves. And what are the characteristics of these prophets? He said, I've seen a horrible thing in verse 14. They commit adultery. They walk in lies. They strengthen the hands of evildoers. No one turns back from their wickedness. They are like Sodom and Gomorrah. And Ezekiel 16 says the sins of Sodom were that they had a surfeit of food, they had prosperous seas, no one cared for the needy, and they were proud as well as immoral. So that what we have here is these are the prophets that are supposed to lead the church, and they are not doing it. And Jeremiah says you are deceiving the people, and he literally grieves and cries and shakes over their sin. Now, what about you and me? Are any of those attributes in you? Are any of them in my life? How clean are we? Is there any adultery in our life? What do you watch on TV? Any unholy attachments in our life? Male or female? Are we clean there? 
What do you do on the internet? What do you do with emails? Are you clean? Are you squeaky clean? Am I? Are you walking in lies? Am I? It's so easy not to want to see things that we don't want to see. So we just don't look. We deny it. We blame someone else. We don't retire responsibility. We can't say, I am sorry I have sinned against you. Please forgive me. Are we walking in lies? Are we strengthening the hands of those that do right or those that do evil? Are we turning our back on righteousness and turning our faces toward wickedness? Is there pride in my life? Is there a surfeit of food and pleasure? Do I love ease? Do I care for the needy? Because over and over again on God's heart are those that are poor, the the weak, the handicapped, the the widows, the orphans, the fatherless. Those are the ones that God says, I want you to open your hearts up and give and care and give and care some more because they're the ones on my heart. Are there any of those characteristics in us? In chapter 24, it talks about a basket of figs. There were very good figs and then very pitiful figs. And so the the the... They have already been carried off in one deportation. So they have carried off people in 587. They carried them off to Babylon. And this is the first deportation. Eleven years later, they'll be the final one. And he said, so that all the ones that stayed in Jerusalem said, we're doing fine. We must be the blessed people because we got to stay home. And these are the wicked people that got deported. And then God once again turns things that are upside down, right side up. And he said, you're not seeing things clearly because he said, the ones that I have taken into Babylon are the ones that out of the which the remnant are going to come. And it looks like they're in the most precarious situation, but I am going to come and care for them myself. And I am going to take care of them. And the future of Israel lies not in the ones that stay here, trying to find security for themselves around Jerusalem. It's not going to be here. The symbols are going to be destroyed. It is in God himself that reality is and said, I am going to move you. And the ones I move out, I am going to give them not the symbol, but my reality, my personal presence, and I will take care of them. The ones that are blessed are the ones that are in captivity. And I want them to prosper and take roots and plant vineyards and get married and raise children and live for God right there. And they said, that can't be. And then he said, this is what I will do. Six and seven. I will set my eyes on those for good. I will bring them back to this land. I will build them up and not pull them down. I will plant them and not pluck them up. I will give them a heart to know me that I am the Lord and they shall be my people and I will be their God for they shall return to me with all their heart. And what God is going to do is change their hearts so that they serve him not because they have to, but because they want to. He is going to change their hearts. And God is saying that same thing to us today. But many times, You and I get to the place that God will bring us and say, 
you don't, and, and he says, I would like all of you and I want obedience in your life. Would you go anywhere for me? Would you be a world changer for me? Is there any place that you would not go for me? Is there any person that you would not speak to for me? Will you be an obeyer for me? And many times if we get to that place in our life, the enemy comes and says, don't trust him. You need to stay right here. You need to just stay close to home. You don't know what's going to happen if you really trust God. You don't want to really go on a love adventure with God. You don't want to be willing and available for anything he has for you anywhere. You don't know what he'll do for you. And the reality is that the one that hurts us is the evil one. It is not God himself. I read this and it's a precious reflection. It's reflections of a midlife missionary. Because he called me, like he did in 24, I was willing to be poor, and I was. I was willing to be single, and I was. I was willing to be sent to the ends of the earth, and I was. The king sent me because I was willing. Because he called, I was willing to forego my higher education, and I did. I was willing to set aside professional advancement, and I did. I was willing to lose my reputation, and I did. As most likely to succeed, and I did. The king sent me because I was willing to seeming jungles, to wind-whipped deserts, oppressive slums, the crush of humanity to be crushed. And now, I am not poor. I could crash land anywhere on earth and find my friends. I have owned more homes than 98% of the people in human history. Old fine China serves our guests of many languages. I have been rich enough to give more than a million dollars to service to the king. Now I'm not single. I am a wife, mother of three on three continents, Mothers to scores scattered around the globe and grandmother of seven cherubs. Now I'm not sent away, I go by invitation. Living in three continent countries, teaching in two score, traveling in dozens, because I was willing to be poor, single, sent away to serve my king, I am a privileged graduate of five schools, Envied from my field experience, distinguished alumna for service, professionally advanced because I was willing to be stuck, because I was willing, oh my king, to sign your blank page, you wrote on it, all the desires of my heart and more. He's trustworthy. He's good. We just say yes and say, I can't go there. My children will be victims. I can't do that. I can't leave home. I can't do that. You know, I don't like to do that. I can't. Do Lord, why do you just let me wander around? And we wonder why we wander around for 40 years, not making one iota difference in the kingdom of God or the kingdom of the world. We just wander. Is there anybody today sick of wandering? Anybody today said, I've had it. I've got my belly full up to here. I am ready to step out and say, Jesus, anytime, anywhere, any place. Here is a blank sheet of paper. Here I am. Send me or keep me wherever you want.
I remember when we faced this with Katie Beth going to Hungary. I said, now pardon me, Jesus, it is not very practical to send four little babies, literally they were three, 21 months and eight months overseas. It took four people to get them over there. Matt and Cricket had to take them over, baby in everybody's hand. And then, but do you know what? It's not practical. It's not logical. But it's, it's tremendous. Because what has happened is they are going and they are doing just what we're talking about in chapter 9. They are in the place that God has called them to. It's not Babylonian exile, but it's a beautiful place God has called them to. They are putting down roots. The children are going to Hungarian preschool to learn Hungarian. Kate's learning Hungarian by tutor. Dan's learning Hungarian in school. They're putting down roots. They're growing. They're making friends. And what it is is a witness for Jesus in a country that needs God. And a witness God using one family, just in all their familiness, all their humanness, who said, yes, Lord. And do you know what the biggest calling card for ministry is? Four little tassel-headed girls that just make friends with every single person on the street. The whole community knows they have arrived. And then the whole community wants to know why they've come. So that the opportunities are much greater with those four little tassel-headed girls than if they had just gone alone. And the beautiful thing is he has made a way over and over again. She said, Mama, he made a way. We got a car, a van so that we could at least take everybody every way and didn't have public transportation. He provided a house. Then he provided cribs. I mean, you name it. He provided what they needed in that place. And that is what he is saying today. Those he calls, he enables. Those he calls, he goes before. He is good and he is trustworthy. And the climax of our beautiful, beautiful passage of scripture is Jeremiah 29 11. I took it back from Susanna. For I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. And then he says when you call upon me and go and pray to me I will listen to you. And then he says when you seek me and find you me, you will sp- seek me and find me. You will find me with all your heart. Is there any reserve today? Jeremiah, for 46 years, stood alone. Jeremiah faithfully witnessed to a remnant God's mercy. Jeremiah did not capitulate. And Jeremiah stood for God. And God is calling you and he's calling me today Will be, will we be willing like Jeremiah to stand for him? Or are we going to say, no, not quite yet, Jesus, not quite yet. I still want to do it my way. Where are you? Where are you? The world is longing for women who will just say, yes, Lord. Let's pray. Oh, Jesus, we praise you today with all our hearts for the thrill of a love adventure with Jesus himself. And Jesus, we pray today for those who have gone forth from our midst to the front line. And we pray today, I pray today, you might do something in our souls that would set us on fire 
and you would put in our hearts to say, Lord, I will not go back. But Lord, I believe that you are the one that can keep me as part of the remnant so that like Joshua and Caleb, we don't look at the giants. We look at God and say, wait a minute. God has called us to go in and possess our possessions. I claim this land for you. I claim this church for you. I claim our family for you. I claim these children for you. I claim this state for Jesus. All it takes is one woman full of the Holy Spirit, full of truth and righteousness for God to have a beachhead to turn the world upside down. Now, Jesus, would you begin in us? And Lord, would you begin today in every one of our hearts that we might be yours. And we love you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. We wait on tiptoe to see what you're going to do, even with the women in this room. In the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen.